Hello, beautiful designers and decorators. It's Timothy. We are going to talk about my maybe five or six, I don't know, depending on my mood after we get to five, <laughs> my five or six favorite clauses of my agreement. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not an attorney. None of this is legal advice. This is educational purposes only. And by listening, you are holding me harmless of anything that you use willingly in your own agreement based on this episode. My strong advice to you is always seek a lawyer. Never buy templates because templates do not help you in any situation. Every single state has its own jurisdictions and every single state has their own laws on what is contractually binding and what is not contractually binding. It is not smart at all to buy templates unless you buy that template, send it to your lawyer, and ask your lawyer to adjust it based on what you in your specific jurisdiction need. Even then, it's probably just better to save the 600 or so bucks and just give that to your lawyer to formulate your own agreement based off of your own jurisdiction. So without further ado, the very first provision in my contract that I freaking love is communication. It is like one of the most single most helpful provisions in my agreement that helped me get out of so many different situations, but surrounding com uh, communication with your, your client and you, uh, and having that agreement about communication. So my clause says the expectation is that if ST, ST was the abbreviation of my design firm, if ST contacts the client in any manner, email, phone, text messaging, by the way, side note, I never advise text messaging, always do email. Um, I also advise against the phone. If you do the phone, always follow it up with an email later on. But in any case, email, phone, text messages, etc. It is the client's responsibility to respond to ST no later than 24 to 48 hours. You can shorten that. You can say within 24 hours. Like, we need to go, go, go. Like, even 48 hours uh, getting a response from a client can actually force a delay. But keep in mind, too, there's also the weekends. There's nighttime, depending on your client's schedule. So I was a little bit more open with that to say 24 to 48 hours. Timely correspondence is imperative in certain situations. And I gave an example. For example, ST may need to confirm an order, confirm a change order, etc. And in the event that response is not received in a timely manner, then depending on the situation, ST may feel it necessary to cancel an order or postpone the design due to lack of communication by the client. ST is not obligated to answer phone calls, emails, or text messages outside of normal business hours or on holidays. You could even extend that to say weekends as well. Communication is the key to the success of every single project you do and having a clause about how you want your clients to communicate and when you want them to communicate and any timelines to that is like a golden star right there. Second clause, or I, I, usually, I call them provisions, but I'm gonna say clauses. I'm gonna try to say clause just because it's technically clause, but I like provisions. Photography of the space. Even though this is like a dead giveaway, I put it in my agreement that upon completion of the project, the designer may require permission to photograph the project for our records. I don't specify that it's going to be put into my portfolio. Some clients are a little bit weird about that, but I do require every single project to be photographed for my own records. And this is really, really critical in legality too, because let's say six months down the road, your client comes back and says, oh my God, you know, there's a big, you know, gash out of my countertop and I didn't notice this, you know, when they installed it. Having those pictures, even for just your records, can prevent legal issues in the future. So always document your work. 
um, had take pictures of everything. I think one project I took over 200 pictures because I wanted detailed pictures. I wanted pictures of inside the cabinets. I wanted pictures of like how everything was installed. I, like there were so many images throughout the project just in case something came up later on that I could be liable for. Not really liable. I mean, obviously the GC, if it has to do with the GC, then the GC is liable. But take as many pictures as you want and just keep them on Google Drive organized by project. It'll, like, trust me, it'll save you an illegal issue later if you get into it. The next thing is decrease of budget. This happened so frequently with my clients where the client would, we would start the project and the client would eventually be like, oh my gosh, you know, we didn't realize how much money we had, blah, 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 we have to decrease the budget. So I have a decrease of budget provision in my agreement. The client shall not decrease their budget once they advise ST of their budget for the project. Should the client change the budget, they must notify ST immediately in writing and provide any corresponding documentation. If the budget is less than what we agreed upon, ST reserves the right to terminate this agreement and the client will be subject to a termination fee as outlined in Article 7, Section 7.3. I do have a termination fee on my agreements, and I'll get to that later because that's one of my favorite clauses. The termination fee for decrease of budget is because you guys already agreed on something, and if the client decreases their budget, that means that this project is less profit for you, which means that you may not have taken the project in the beginning if the client had that budget in the first place. So if the client says, hey, my budget's 100,000, you're like, great, this is a $100,000 project, let's move forward. And then later they're like, oh wait, it's a $20,000 project. You now lost out of like potentially $15,000 of profit because the client decided to decrease their budget. Of course, things happen, situations happen. If they provide documentation saying that they went into a financial hardship, you know, work with them. Um, you know, the, the contract is not a, an, 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 an end all situation. I just totally had a, um, <laughs> just totally had a stutter moment there. But the contract is not really an end all. It's, you can, you can fluctuate that uh, depending on the situation and circumstances. The next thing that I put in here are vendor invoices. The designer does not have any obligation nor will provide vendor invoices for any reason whatsoever even if requested by the client. The client understands they are purchasing material and services from the designer and therefore will only be able to receive an invoice from the designer showing what the charge was for to the client and what the, char the client was charged. This is important because Look, let's take Target as an example. If you stroll into Target and you go to Target management and say, I want the vendor invoice for this you know, T-shirt, they're gonna be like, what are you talking about? Like, no, we're, we're reselling this T-shirt. Same thing, you are reselling products from the manufacturer to your clients, they're not entitled to a vendor invoice. That doesn't happen. You don't go to you know, um, a donut shop and say, hey, I want the vendor invoices for all the ingredients you had to make this donut. That's kind of really silly. So vendor invoices is a no-go, definitely put that in your contract. Then I would also say, you know what, the last thing I'm going to do, two, two more things actually. Full disclosure on contracting and construction. Um, this is especially important in California. Um, if you live in California, it is illegal for you to make any profit off of the general construction work the general contracting labor. If you are charging that, you need to stop immediately because you can go to jail for it. Um, you're not a licensed GC, therefore you cannot make any money off of the GC's labor because then you would be considered a GC because you're making profit off of general construction. I put it in my agreement that full disclosure on contracting and construction, the ST is not and does not purport to be a contractor or contracting service nor architect. 
ST does not hold a contractor's nor licensed architect's license and does not perform or offer services that such contractor or architect would provide, including, but not limited to, painting, electrical installation, blah, 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 and I named a few of them. It's telling your client that you're not going to do any of that work and that you are not a general contractor, and it kind of releases liability any work performed by the contractor or a subcontractor because you indicated that uh, in your agreement and it prevents your fr- your client from going to you know uh, court and saying, well, I hired them as a designer and they hired the GC, or not hired the GC, but they recommended the GC and the GC did a horrible job. Uh, it doesn't matter because you're not a GC, you didn't do the work. So um, it kind of you know gets you out of that kind of hole there. And then the last thing I would say is my termination fee. So my termination fee is basically if the client terminates the agreement, it's mostly if the client does. Obviously, I'm not going to charge the client a termination fee if we terminate the agreement. But I would absolutely put a few different termination clauses in there. Termination for cause, termination for convenience. And um, the agreement can be terminated by a mutual party as well. So the contract termination fee, This particular uh, clause says the client further agrees that if they terminate the agreement before its completion date, the client will be responsible for paying a termination fee of up to 50% margin of the cost of the total design fee. An example of this, if the design fee is $3,000, your termination fee would be $2,000. So this is calculated by taking the total cost of the project, dividing it by 0.6, and then minus the total cost of the initial design fee, in this case, $3,000, and you'd get a $2,000 termination fee. Um, I structured it that way to to maximize the amount of money that I can get back from the client terminating the contract. So in other words, I'm not losing out essentially on uh, a ton of money if they were to terminate the agreement. So I provide a termination uh, fee. You can do a flat rate fee as well, you know, $1,200 flat rate fee or anything like that. And then the second thing to this as well is I provide a late fee and also a like a collection fee. So if I have to bring the client to collections, they are responsible for all the collection fees. If my client is late paying their design fee, um, I actually charge a $6 per day plus a $150 flat rate late fee. And the per day actually caps out at 15 days. And then at that 15th day, they still didn't pay their bill. Then I take them to collections or send them to collections for paying for, you know, not paying us in time. So yeah, to recap, termination agreement fee, of course, uh, then you're going to want to add a photography of the space clause, communication clause. I would also set in there, you know, a clause obviously about the scope of work. And I would actually add the scope of work directly in the agreement too, not as a separate addendum, just add it as part of the agreement because it's in the agreement itself. And then also the last thing is decrease of budget. So those are the clauses that I think Oh, vendor invoices as well. Um, Those are the clauses I think are the most important and now they're my favorite. But if you have any questions on these, please do feel free to reach out, timothyanandima.co. I wish you all have a wonderful day and thanks for tuning in. Take care.